Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 121 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Fuzzer Forrester, and joining me in the ever-so-cramped Orange Sidewinder for this particular episode are the wonderful head of health and safety here at Lave Station, Mr. Ben Moss Woodward. Move over, will you? <laughs> we also have the chief archivist here at the station, Mr. Colin Ford, otherwise known as Phoenix to Fire. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, and head of station entertainments, Mr. Commander Thane. I should uh, thank Colin for breaking that improv theatre. If he'd joined in with Ben's insanity, I'd have been left in a very difficult position. <laughs> oh dear, I was wondering where it was going to go. <laughs> but obviously the uh, the reason we are ever so slightly cramped in the orange sidewinder this evening is we have got a couple of ringers with us uh i shall introduce them uh one by one the ever so wonderful evanescent the head of community at frontier developments the wonderful zach antonacci hey you're right yeah very well indeed sir and we've also got i think for the first time this could actually be his lave radio cherry popping session uh we have the lead designer the wonderful the space cowboy himself sandy samarco and space loach welcome sandy uh good evening <laughs> good evening how are we all doing everybody doing okay sax uh, sandy you've got uh, your jock drinks you got prepared you're all comfortable and i didn't realize this is what we were doing this is even more relaxed yes no, we're good thanks we're all good uh i'd say we're, we're a little bit squashed over here obviously the, the sidewinder only has uh, a certain number of chairs and uh, you've got the cushy ones and we're all cramped over here at the other side but that's fine yeah and we do uh, we do like to spoil our guests with nothing but uh, comfort and uh, and pleasure comfort and pleasure that's what we've got for you this evening that sounds ever so cool. slightly Ever so slightly dodgy. Yeah, Fritz Kohler. Looking, looking forward to this comfort and pleasure this evening. Thank you. <laughs> okay, um, what we're going to do is I'm going to quickly whiz around, the, uh, whiz around the normal crew and find out what you guys have been up to this week. Uh, and then after that, I would very much like to know from Zach and Sandy what the experience of Gamescom was for them last week. Uh, but let's start off with Ben. Tell me you've been doing something exciting for the last week, Ben. Pretty much for the last week, I've been watching Sandy and Ed and Adam on Twitch. Which I'm guessing was very exciting. And mine. It was very exciting. So is this what you do in Elite Dangerous, when uh, when actually what you want to be looking at is the second screen watching Gamescom, so you go off and mine? No, I'm doing mining for the Jack's goal at the moment, which is just into Tier 4 with about another day and a bit left to go. Cool, okay, so, so how long yeah. have you been out with Jax? How long did it take you to get there? It took me about two weeks to get out here, and I've been out here now for about two weeks as well. Actually, maybe three weeks now. Cool, and uh, uh, it's been... in that time, have you been uh, confronted by many space pirates? Anybody griefing you out there, or is it all sort of uh, universal love and harmony? It's all universal love and harmony out here, you know, because <laughs> thank God there's no way for these damn dirty pirates to take their you know, souped up uh, fertilances out to Jack's. You know, that we're we're awesome and it's all peaceful out here. But you know, Christ, if they were some way that was ever able to take their their like ships with only like two lightyears jump range out to Jack's, we'd all be doomed. Doomed. Oh, is, this, okay. is this foreshadowing? Is it? <laughs> I think we'll just uh, nip that one in the bud and probably pick it up later on in the show, shall we, Ben? Uh, Colin, what have you been up to this week, Ben? Well, I, I've been in foreign parts, like really? everybody else. Yes, Is that I've what we're been... calling them these days? <laughs> uh, yes, I've been in, um, let's see, 
Rome, Pisa, uh, Monte Carlo, very nice, nice Starbucks in Monte Carlo. Uh, then, uh, oh, uh, Corsica. And then finally, it's been the last uh, five days sunning myself, which I'm, uh, I must admit is very, very frustrating watching Gamescon on very dodgy hotel Wi-Fi. <laughs> it gets so frustrating when it just stops. <laughs> but apart from that, yes. Oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> okay, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not picking up on any of these innuendos whatsoever. Jarvis, what have you been up to? What haven't I been up to? I've actually, I realise I've not actually been on Lave Radio since before LaveCon. It's been a long time. I was starting to feel like Lave Radio was this thing that I used to do once. I talk about it with sort of fond memories. Ah. Um, but no, uh, since uh, last, since LaveCon, in fact, I got the Chaos Reborn audio drama finished and delivered to the Kickstarter backers. Hooray! So now I need to now I need to figure out the actual kind of commercial release of it, which of course is much more confusing than really ought to be. Um, and uh, since then, I've also I've also been on holiday. I've been to Texas. I've been shooting guns. Um, oh really? Oh. And Disneyland, where I was also shooting guns. No, I wasn't shooting guns. Disneyland. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're never going to let you back. No, I was going to no, say. No, no, well, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's actually most of that. Mostly finishing Chaos Reborn and going on holiday. Um, and yeah, not really done anything else. So I've been trying to catch up with all of the Gamescom news because it's been very exciting. I have super keen for two point three. Super keen. Um, super keen. It's comparative. It depends if we want to talk about my lack of keen for 2.2. We've got guests ah. on. I don't know if we want to do that. Uh, not really. Well, just now, maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm being harsh. I'm being harsh. Um, I, I think it's more that the, the way I like to play Elite Dangerous, 2.3 is full of more of the kind of stuff I love doing than 2.2, which was full of lots of great things, but all things that don't necessarily apply to me. In fairness, you have been banging the drum for uh, traders to have some sort of means of defending themselves for probably the best part of a year now, haven't you? So if anybody's going to be you know, on their soapbox and jumping up and down and banging the drum for 2.3, it really should be you. Probably since Alpha. <laughs> probably well, since Alpha 1. Alpha. <laughs> let's, let's be fair, Alpha 3. Alpha 3, I probably mentioned it. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Cool. Okay, well, I mean, for my part, again, I've been missing from Lave Radio for a, a number of weeks. I've been on holiday for a couple of weeks in the Loire in France and also to Disneyland, but not the posh, expensive one that uh, that you've been to, Jarvis. I went to Disneyland Paris instead, uh, which was still cool, but no guns, apart from the Buzz Lightyear ride. And there was laser guns, which was quite cool. And when you've got a five-year-old, uh, when you've got a five-year-old boy, you go on the Buzz Lightyear ride a number of times. Well, um, that would be Sandy happy, wouldn't it? <laughs> Can you duplicate that ride in Planet Coaster? <laughs> oh, Planet Coaster, that's another thing. The uh, the alpha for that came out, didn't it? It came out, was it today or yesterday? Right, two hours ago. Yeah, yeah. Today. Uh, I know, Why are we talking about Elite tonight? I know. <laughs> Let's just cancel this stream and go back and start playing Alpha on Planet Coaster. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. No, we need to do another all live. We need to do another all live with the new um, Planet Coaster Alpha. Yeah. Because that would be cool. That would be cool. That would be uh, very cool. Uh, and speaking about very cool, let's uh, let's bounce on to our guests, the uh, ever wonderful uh, space yeah. Yeah. <laughs> space cowboy, and the wonderful Don himself, Mister Antonacci. Tell us about Gamescom. What was it like from the other side of the curtain? What was it like for the the Frontier staff? Because uh, it looked, I mean, with all the streams and everything else that was going on, 
I mean, we've seen you at these sort of things before, but for me, it looked like Gamescom was just a little bit more intensive for you guys. You seem to be cramming all sorts of stuff into it. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this one because I think Sandy has all of the questions, as, <laughs> as obviously he should as lead designer. Um, yeah, no, it was really good. I think the... Um, it was. I, I do think it was more intense than than last year because you know one of the things that we wanted to do from last year to this year is, is kind of where last year we had um, I would say one full day of kind of content on the stream. The first of all, that stream was about two hours less, um, but also um, it was kind of a lot of similar content repeated over the four days. And one of the things we wanted to make sure we did this year was to you know make sure there was content as much as we could for the the kind of the full four days making sure there was loads of stuff to kind of go through and talk about um obviously as well you have both elite dangerous and planet coaster so there's even more kind of going out there there's another two hours uh no it was it's it's you know a lot of a lot of stuff went on it was a lot of work but you know i don't think anyone that went there would say that you know it wasn't one of the the best experiences that they could do i mean everyone that goes out there i think really loves it and it's a it's a wonderful experience to go out there um we've got lovely people that came over to the stand loads of community members that that joined us stayed for for the whole four days pretty much just stayed <laughs> and hung out there we had the um the elite meet um <laughs> <laughs> the laugh says it all. <laughs> we had the elite meet um, in the evening, one of the evenings, and we had another evening thing uh, in one of the other evenings. So it was it was very busy, uh, but but just really really wonderful. Got to meet a lot of uh, community members, both German and a lot of the French community came down as well, um, as well as a lot of kind of the the Dutch guys. So there was there was some real dedication to guys that came down, and it was really really lovely. Okay, so for those people that haven't been to one of these official elite meets that go on at the uh, the conferences and stuff, give us a little flavour of exactly you know, stuff that's broadcastable. Obviously, uh, give us a little flavour of what sort of things happened at the elite meet for the community that went. Pictures. There were pictures, but they're not broadcastable. broadcastable. No, but there were pictures. Uh, and there was a Q&A and it was a lot of fun. Yes, it was a Q&A. And uh, what was really pleasing, what was a lot of fun, was we we, we basically got to uh, sneak reveal a lot of the 2.2 stuff that was going out on the streams to the uh, the hardcore fans a little bit earlier. So that was really that was really nice for us to... It, it felt nice to be able to do that, to kind of give them something a little bit special. Yeah. And, get, and talk and about it, things in a little bit more detail sometimes. So. Yeah, and it's quite a personal kind of... Because there's about 150 people at that specific place. Yeah, and, absolutely, yeah. Um, it means that like when they do the Q and A's after they kind of showed a few little bits, it just meant that there was an opportunity for you know the sort of the, the Q and A's intimacy. That, yeah, well, when you do a stream, obviously, like there's loads of questions. We try and get as many as we can, and we answer them. But when there's you know a room full of people, and they've you know you can get round quite a lot of them in the same way, you know, in the same way you do when you, you try and do these these kind of personal Q and A's. Also, Ed was having it large. Oh, he was brilliant. It was literally insane on fire. He was the best. Yeah. Uh, you guys well, know. You guys know what it was. It was Ed performing. That's what it was. Ed on eleven. It was. It was Ed good fun. To 11. It was good fun. Okay, so was he was he wearing a wig or was he uh, unknown Edmund fine for this particular one? Ed Nolmans didn't come out, no. but he did prep uh, plenty of files that, <laughs> that we went through. Different interesting files. Uh, I don't want to give too much away because that's kind of the point no, of these things. Exactly, you yeah. come and you enjoy it. It was a very personal something. thing. But yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was a lot of. Just how personal was it? <laughs> 
<laughs> it was pretty, it was it was intense. I was Things got a little bit crazy. <laughs> I did fear for my sanity at a number of moments, but we all came out the other side better, yeah. more wholesome, rounded people. So it was it was it was it was, it was great. I'm glad to know you weren't tethered down. <laughs> oh. oh, guys, I do have to point out one thing. Since we've seen Edmonds, Ed Edmonds, Ed Edmonds, um, yeah, they've cancelled Deal or No Deal. They have. I had noticed this. I was going to remark this on uh, on the Twitter feed, but uh, yes, I do think they've obviously seen that there is someone out there who could possibly do the role a little bit better. And uh, Mr. Edmonds, and I think uh, you might have to uh, have a look at what you're paying Ed just to make sure he's secured for his contract for the next 12 we, months. It, we can't lose. No, we, can't we, need, lose we need that power. We need the power of that fiery hobbit. He's, he's got it all, man. He's got everything. <laughs> now as well, but that's fine. That's, the, that's his new name, the Fiery Hobbit. The Fiery Hobbit. Like if there was anyone to give that nickname to, it wasn't these guys on Live Radio. Yeah. It's not going to go down well. Between us, us guys, right? Yeah. And everyone. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that's fine. That will stay just between us and ten thousand oh, listeners. That. We seem to have these days. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, where were we? What were we talking about? Can't remember. Yeah, no idea. Fiery Hobbits or something. Fiery Hobbits at Leap Me. Okay. Uh, uh, taking a Leap Me out of the equation for a second. Um, what else was good about um, Gamescom for you guys? I mean, four days, it's got to be absolutely knackering. But what were some of the highlight standout moments for you guys? Um, the streams were awesome. They, I'm not going to lie, they were terrifying. Um, clearly, being the talent. You know, this should be <laughs> this should be second nature to me. But um, in honesty, I am very, very nervous before any of the streams. And anyone who could see me uh, wandering around with a glum face would know that uh, yeah, it was it was nerve wracking. But um, Ed's such a great uh, presenter; it makes it so easy. And also, big props to Adam. Adam was my uh, partner in crime, and having to spend all, all of Gamescom basically lockstep with Adam, I thought was going to be terrible, but. He's awesome. So what? What the highlights really? What, it sounds really corny, but it was the it was the um, the frontier team. Everyone was just stand out, absolutely brilliant. So they made it. They made what was very a very nervous, arduous, quite intensive uh, few days into an absolute joy. So how about that? Of a, a, a big living. They, they, they were brilliant. So it made it great, basically. And also being able to being able to finally talk about some of the um, two point two stuff clearly was quite fun. Mm. Um, especially some of the little quality life changes I, I'm really probably more pleased about than I should be but um, I do yeah I'm, I'm quite pleased we've got some of this stuff in yeah I think it's something that one of the nicest things as well I think because the thing is is the way that we like like the, the whole purpose of doing Gamescom is it's an opportunity and like a base to include the community in those streams right it's really the whole thing is more about trying to 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 get kind of the community involved and informed and everything else more than necessarily being there although it's nice to be there as well but um yeah i think what was really lovely is seeing like that that the day with the quality of life stuff in it and just sort of being a part of that chat and seeing the the kind of the feedback to some of those changes Absolutely. they're the, they're the real um they're the real standout moments oh, but yeah these guys did incredibly well absolutely also Colne was lovely mm. it's a really lovely city and i recommend it uh, as a holiday destination Amazing weather as well. <laughs> Sandy oh. does his bit for the Cologne Tourist Board. <laughs> it's uh, it's all, well. Look, they got Fritz Cola. I'm I'm there. So whenever, whenever they need me, I'm there. It's on. It's on like Tron. 
<laughs> That's awesome. I've realised I got confused earlier. I was saying I was excited about 2.3 and not 2.2. I'm a number out, aren't I? I'm excited about 2.2. Well, I mean, you might be excited about yeah. 2.3, but we haven't told you about it. <laughs> I'm secretly excited about it. No, the thing I was going to ask about Gamescom was, I mean, I know obviously you guys are you know, pretty busy with your elite schedule. Did you see anything else at Gamescom that you guys were excited by? Did you get to talk to any other developers or see any other games? You know, Planet Coaster? Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I saw lots of saw Planet Coaster. Yeah, saw a bit of that. The only, the only developers I saw were some guys from Paradox literally popped by to say hello, but I didn't I didn't leave. When I was at Gamescom, I barely left the, the yeah. booth, really. I didn't, I didn't. It's the same here. The first few days was were literally just uh, press after press after press mm. it was all day just saying this having the same half hour slot which is it's not that fun you know, i can't i can't really it's it's quite hard work but uh, it was really good seeing the reactions of them so that was cool that was really um quite uplifting but unfortunately yeah i, I got to walk around i got a little bit uh, me and adam did the rounds a little bit we saw lots of very strange cosplay that was odd uh, <laughs> and, um, loads of, there's so many games I, I, it's really weird but i find gamescom not Walking around, it's not the best way to see new games. It, mm. It's just an assault on the senses. It, it literally, it, it's just noise and vision. And maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I'm getting like curmudgeonly in my old age. But <laughs> I literally couldn't take a lot of it in. Um, the Blizzard area, Blizzard Activision, was unbelievably Titanic. They had half of one of the large halls um, with amazing like uh, figurines of uh, the Overwatch characters and whatnot. So, uh, as a as a as a, a visual feast, it was amazing. But I couldn't really pick out individual games there was just too many of them mm. there were too many people playing too many games <laughs> matter <laughs> and uh, just before we move on to this just to give uh, people some idea what size of team did frontier development take over to to gamescom in order to be able to run that production 300 um, slaves <laughs> <laughs> no, so we had so we had the development guys so uh Four. two so so um adam and sandy from elite and uh rich and andy from planet coaster um so there's four we had ed obviously uh the rest of the community team so myself Bo, uh, and dale um and, and brett obviously being in america wasn't um there and then we had jesse Robin was out at the beginning, and then uh, Mike was there with the press side of things. So hey, Reinhardt. Reinhardt came as Reinhard. our uh, ambassador. Yeah, he did a great job. He did an amazing job. It was a lot of hard work. Um, <laughs> please don't tell me I missed anyone from the team, because that would be really uh, embarrassing. Well, there was all the people from the company that did the stand. They were awesome as well. Well, so, yeah, you had the... So, we, the, there was the guys that did the stand and the production side of things. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, the thing is, it's not just the guys that went out there. You also have people like, you know... Yeah, and Adams and different ages. Oh yeah, uh, Chief Chris Beef Sire, and Goldie. I, I, I just wanted to ask: Do you all have Chief Beef belief? There is only one right answer. To this, by the way. I guess yes. we're gonna have to say yes. Of course. You two right, you're gonna have to say yes. He's flipping awesome. <laughs> he's, he's flipping awesome. I think. Is it just me? Well, his trousers seem very tight. Uh, I don't know. I don't I, think his trousers were that tight. I didn't stare at his trousers. I was too busy looking to his lovely face. <laughs> <laughs> With full of beef. Yeah, his meaty, patty face and gulping. They're awesome. <laughs> that doesn't answer your question at all, guys, but that's that's what we got. That's what you to got. be fair, I was just looking for a number, not a names drop of everybody that uh, that went out there. Oh, that's exactly. going to get you into trouble, but that's fine. Anywhere between 11 and 15. And they're all lovely. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, 
Um, I think what we should do then, uh, as we have got a whole host of questions, uh, what we're going to do for this particular episode is we're going to go through some of the questions that we've got for for the guys. Uh, I'm sure as we go through the questions, it will probably uh just nicely sort of open up some of the stuff that has come out of gamescom but there's just i mean to be fair to all those listeners thinking that we're going to do a debrief on on gamescom we have got 16 pages of notes taken from gamescom there is just far too much information come out of gamescom to try and do it any sort of justice on one show so what we're going to do is we're just actually going to uh, do some questions that came out of that information and hopefully that will lead us to some of the stuff that's coming out but obviously we'll cover the rest in the next couple of shows so let's start and we'll, and we'll off. probably spend the next we'll probably spend the next four editions of lay radio <laughs> talking about all the other stuff <laughs> yeah, for, for that i don't doubt so uh let's kick it off with uh, with crew um now obviously this was something that was very very dear to my heart it was one of the things that i loved about the actual original frontier game is the fact that you could go and you could hire your own crew uh, and they uh, in that game were just necessary just to drive some of the ships uh, but you've really pulled out all the stops with this one you've actually given them roles and they actually do things in the game so um, Jarvis crack on with our first crew question shoot slugger <laughs> oh I'm doing the reading thing am I you son of a bitch right <laughs> so uh, first question do NPC so we need to just sorry we need to set some uh context for this don't we just in case people haven't seen everything um so can you just very quickly sandy describe to us the new the the the, the new crew hiring process uh, yeah sure right so whistle whistle stop tour uh there are crew lounges around uh, the galaxy it's the various starports and at them there are fighter pilot crew waiting to be hired they've got uh, their own avatar because they've got the cool new avatar system so everyone's have their own little face um uh, they've got their own little background bio and a combat rank which determines how good they are um and when you hire them they're all fighter pilots they you, you hire them one goes on a ship the other you can have hire another two on shore leave um when you deploy a ship launch fighter you can decide to deploy the fighter with your fighter pilot as the crew so uh, that's that's the kind of long and short of it they can also pilot your main ship if you want to fly the fighter so they're pretty cool very cool very cool. Um, so the first question is, so there's obviously been something mentioned somewhere, I think I've missed this, that the NPC pilots, as they work for you, they also rank up. Is that correct? That's true. Um, it, it's based on skills. So uh, yeah. when they're involved in claiming a kill, they get some combat XP. It, it really, not in a completely dissimilar way to you do as a, as a commander. Um, yeah. And uh, if they get enough, they can increase their combat rank. So you can take one from harmless all the way up to elite. Awesome. So do they, so the question we've got from someone is, do the NPC pilots rank up faster than human pilots? Uh, yes. Um, it's it's not completely set in stone, but it's very, very likely that, that they will. And the reason for that, it's quite straightforward, is uh, they're likely to die at various points. <laughs> uh, you know, everyone has their bad moments where they pancake their walk-on into a, a starport wall or whatever. If, if the ship's destroyed and the pilots are on it, then um, unfortunately they're toast. Um, this yeah. the, the escape mechanism only works for you. So that being the case, um, they, they they'll be able to rank up more quickly than, than players. Okay, so I'm confused already. Then, so when we jump into a fighter, we're sort of like the same as the SRV. It's like a well, not like the SRV. It's a neural link, yes. basically. So you're not in the fighter. Correct. 
But if you send your crew member into the fighter, they are in the fighter, or are they controlling it by Neuralink? Incorrect. Yeah, they are. They are also controlling it by the same. We we we're calling it telepresence at the moment. I'm not sure if that's going to stick. There's very much a work in progress name. Um, it's a Neuralink to the fighter. Both you and the fighter pilots use this system. Um, so if a fighter's destroyed, they're not they're not killed because they're safe with you. Yeah. But it's when your main ship is destroyed. When your main ship is destroyed, clearly you are not killed. Otherwise. Frontier okay. would be adopted for like mass murder. So uh, you're you're okay, but the fighter pilots um, in the hangar unfortunately don't have that luxury. So you are basically let, letting them die, and their story will be over if your main ship's destroyed. Oh, this is priceless. So basically, if our main ship blows up, there's only one, there's only one parachute basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, sure, maybe we could have some rules that you could give it to them, but then you'd be dead. So I think <laughs> as quite as well. People want permadeath, don't they? <laughs> I was say, what if what if my NPC pilot has a better life than my actual commander? Can I can I become them instead? <laughs> that's, that's a really deep, somewhat disturbing question, and I actually don't think I'm going to do it. That's fine. No, that's fine. So the next question kind of follows on from that, and I think we can kind of see the answer to it. But someone just wants to know what, why you've decided to have the NPC crew die yeah. rather than rescued with you. It's very much following on in the same vein. So if the NPC crew didn't die, um, basically you'd just train up one crewman or crewwoman mm. and that'll be it. And whilst there is, I mean, that's not an invalid option. That is a completely you know, reasonable, viable option. Um, it didn't really sit as as well with us. We, we'd, we'd rather, there were, A, there was a little bit of risk-reward in taking mm. pilots on board, and B, if there's no risk, there's less attachment um, we we want the players to kind of feel some for, some sort of bond with the, their pilots, um, and there's nothing quite you know like getting a bond than knowing that you're responsible for their life. So that that's why that's basically why they do die, or can die. Yeah. So awesome. basically, like the soldiers in XCOM, you get really yeah, attached exactly. to them, Absolutely, and yeah. then yeah. one alien headshot later. And there's no reload in our game. I was going to say, but that's the point. In, in XCOM, I just go back and reload and start the mission again because I can't be, I can't what? bear to be parted with the with the the guys in Elite Dangerous. That's not going to be possible. So I'm just going to be a, a weeping wreck playing the game all of a sudden. <laughs> I didn't do that in XCOM either. I actually, if they died, uh, they died, and I killed in XCOM most of the uh, staff at Frontier. Basically. <laughs> and I just had to live with it. I feel bad, but I had to live with it and move on. <laughs> Oh, that's a good new source of names, frontier developers. I've got to stage where I've got to stage where so many of my XCOM soldiers die. I've actually run out of friends. <laughs> well, like, so now you're going to so now frontier yeah. developers are going to be your cannon fodder. I'm not sure they're going to be overly happy about this, Jarvis. I'm, I'm fine. I'm invulnerable with my hat, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, but I think it's yeah, it's a good shout because it's. Like you say, it would just be, it would just, if it was just the same person all the time, you actually wouldn't pay any attention to them because you'd just, they'd just be this person that sits in the corner of your ship for the rest of your life. Yeah, you're they'd, they'd become a resource rather than a person, basically. Yeah. And of course, if you spend that much time with them, people are then going to ask, start uh, start asking you for things like commander marriages and... Oh, God. <laughs> There's a question similar to that later on. <laughs> okay, nice. Um, um, so one of the things I wanted to ask is just looking at the video of the way the the crew lounge works. So you've yeah. got this area on the station where you can look at various crew and you can hire them and then you assign them to a fighter slot. Yes. But, and because of the way that's been designed in a sort of, rather than just saying 
hire a fighter i'm sorry hire a pilot for your fighter Mm. it's like you say hire a pilot now what do you want to do with them so is that we were trying to sort of sneak in a scoop here is is the way that ui has been designed leaving space for those pilots to be hired for other tasks i mean is this something that's prepping the way for multi-crew or is there something else that you might hire them for yeah, okay, nice try. Uh, nice try. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the first off, big caveat, all of the um, interface screens are actually work in progress, so they, they may still change. Um, as to uh, your, your premise, the, uh, it's completely reasonable. Um, we really don't have anything to announce at the moment, but clearly the more versatile we can keep our interfaces, the more avenues we can leave open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's no secret that um, we've talked about the future and um, multi-crew being present in the future. We've only talked in very general terms, and we've only talked in very general terms about other human commanders. Um, but that's not to say that you know I, I can't. I've got nothing to announce at the moment, but it's 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 definitely something that we look at. Uh, do you know what? I like it when you say you've got nothing to announce um, because the other question, <laughs> oh, is that my the other question, yeah, the no, the other question that you said you had nothing to announce about was after people had seen the dolphin on a stream and said, "Is the dolphin coming soon?" Well, and you said, "We haven't got anything to announce." So that, that's quite a positive. <laughs> <laughs> well, the dolphin's not in two point two. I've seen it somewhere. You mean the beluga? You mean the beluga? No, no, no. The actual the the dolphin. The, the, the dolphin is in one of the yeah. streams. Yeah. Unfortunately, there was um, there was a, a dolphin, an empty dolphin, managed to somehow get into the game for the stream. Um, but yeah, we're not conf- we're neither confirming nor denying. Dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Um, just uh, going back to the the XCOM point. If we are going to, because I'm obviously probably one of the world's worst combat pilots, and I can't imagine that my NPCs are going to fare very much better, considering I'm going to be in charge of them. Uh, is there going to be a place where we can have like a, an, a memorandum board? Um, that's not the right word, is it? Memorial board uh, for for lost uh, NPC crew members. There, there isn't at the moment. Oh. That is a good idea. Uh, it, it, unfortunately. Um, also, there would be enough space in your ship. <laughs> it's a whole new paint job for me. Unfortunately, Elite's such a, a UI-intensive UI game that we have to be very careful. Um, we have to be very tactical with, with additions. and uh, Anything that affects the UI has to have, have to have a very strong kind of reason to be in there. So it's a cool idea, and maybe in the future we will get it, but it won't be for 2.2. No, that's fine. I was just wondering, because uh, my, uh, my one of those for XCOM is, is vast. Um, so maybe I don't want dangerous. <laughs> it could be in your statistics pi- panel. Pi- pi- um, NPC pilot killed. <laughs> yeah. I think you should. I think you should do it like the old, uh, the original Wing Commander. You should any NPC that you get killed, you should be made to go to their funeral. Yeah. And say something. <laughs> oh, damn! Streams just died. Oh, oh dear. Okay. Have Sorry, we, uh, Have 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 we exhausted the uh, the crew questions? I think it's difficult, yeah, without... I think there's so much crossover with the actual fighters themselves. I think that's pretty much just crew on their own. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Right. Well, it kind of, as I say, it kind of fuels into the uh, the fighter stuff anyway. So yeah, um, one of the questions we've got about fighters in general is can we launch a fighter from a ship that is landed, so not docked on a planet? Uh. Okay, it's time for me to don my cowboy hat and be 
Sandy knows Samarco. Uh, no, <laughs> no, you can't. Um, there's, there's, there are some reasons for this, though. So if you, if you landed um, your ship and then you extended the fighter launch rails, which are separate from the cargo hatch, because remember, fighters are they're actually somewhat bigger. Actually, they're a lot bigger than mm. SRVs. So they have to come out of a brand new hole that we rip into the ships that can carry them. So if you had deployed your rails, you'd deploy them into the floor and then the fighter <laughs> would face palm instantly. So you can't, um, you have to be airborne or spaceborne to launch a fighter. Uh, and you can't, uh, I believe you can't uh, put your landing gear down if, a, if you've got a fighter launched. So basically that, that it's for aerial, aerial uh, gameplay only. Okay. Um, so could you use it as, a, uh, as another means of attacking bases though? So if you were sort of hovering a, a cr- over the planet, um, could you deploy them in sort of a planetary sort of combat role or not? Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. So it, it, that's when I say airborne and spaceborne, it's literally, it, it, I mean, even though there's no air, um, around <laughs> the planet's surface, yeah, you can, as long as you're flying um, and you don't have your landing gear down, you should be able to deploy fighter. Fighters uh, follow all the same targeting rules for what they can target as normal ships because they are fundamentally ships. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're smaller and they're faster and they're really sexy, but they're still ships. Um, so, um, you can use them. One thing is worth noting, and this is the dreadful tre- tether that comes into it, because you're telepres- telepresencing into them, there is a tether limit, which is quite large. Um, it's in the kilometres, many kilometres, I believe, but it, it, you, you can't go out of it without being warned, then losing control of, of your fighter and losing the fighter. So you can give your main ship a stay here order um, and try and park it in the air away, away from the base. Or you can tell it to follow you, um, in which case its turrets can still work. Mm-hmm. So you can attack bases with with fighters, and your main ship may or may not be present you know, within range of the ground defences. So obviously, if you've got a if you've got a fighter pilot crew, then you can have both just wiggling around and uh, attacking things. Um, but it's also worth mentioning that uh, bases in general, especially some of the more a powerful bases are uh, very, 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 very good attack- attacking airborne ships. Right. So just because you've got a fighter, you might think that you're Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> some of the defences are very good at taking out <laughs> fighters, so um, it's not the be-all and end-all. Okay, so there's not suddenly a magic bullet for how I defeat um, bases. It, then. it should be a lot of fun. And of course, if you yeah, if the fighter dies, it's just a bit of money and resource lost. It's n- n- no, nothing worse than that. So you know, they're meant to be fun above everything else. Valid question from the from the Twitch chat. I mean, obviously, we've been focusing on the ship-launched fighters as being kind of defending traders, or we've talked a bit about using them on a planet. Um, presumably, if you're mining, you can deploy the fighter to protect you while you're mining. If you seems... yeah, yeah. Um, can you do? Presumably, you can't do it the other way around. Presumably, you can't get in the f- fighter to have some fun and say to your AI pilot. Can you go and mine for me? Because it's boring. <laughs> no, not, not at the moment. You can't do that. They're, they're, they're licensed fighter pilots. They, uh, they're not licensed miners. miners. <laughs> they, they don't have the required permits to operate the mining laser. Keeping <laughs> 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 the wrong sort of stuff. It would just end in tears. There'd be tears at the time. So, <laughs> so unfortunately, no, you, you can't do that at the moment. I think, I think there's lots of people who fly these ships who are laughing at the idea that these pilots are licensed or certified to do anything. But I don't think anyone's licensed any of us to fly these ships. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, okay, so the, um, 
Do you know, there's a question here. I don't, I don't even understand the questions. I'm going to read it as it's written, and hopefully someone will know what it means. Will the fixed weapons in the fighters be as sticky as they are in CQC? So I'm assuming, I actually, yeah, that is interesting. I'm assuming that by sticky, uh, we're talking about aim assist, some amount of aim assist on, on, the, on the weapons. Um, all of our okay. fixed weapons in the in the main game and on fighters have varying degrees of auto aim. Even the oh, yeah. yeah the gimbals have obviously a lot, and then the fixed weapons have it. Normally, it's it's a very small number of degrees. Um, so in in answer to that, they will there will be aim assist to, to some degrees even on the fixed weapons in fighters, but it is reasonably minimal. So you you do have to be a pretty good pilot to um to to, to draw on someone. But they if you do they the amount of damage output they they deliver is is fairly terrifying considering they're tiny weapons yeah it does seem to me because i watched the video of the um the, i think it was the federal fighter taking uh, ed's python apart that's true but you've got um, to remember it was ed at the controls so they do they just yes they do uh they do a rather obscene amount of damage and it's really interesting they, they have to um if yeah. you think about what the fighter is there to do it's there to provide a difficult decision for an aggressor in general, I mean, you can you can use them offensively as well. Either way, it works out the same. It's do I ignore the fighter and carry on trying to um, attack the main ship? Obviously, if the main ship's destroyed, the fighter's destroyed automatically because the pilot of the of the fighter is in the main ship. Or, um, but if I do that, I'm at risk of the fighter punishing me. Or do I try and take the fighter out? Which it's reasonably fragile, but it's it can be quite annoying to you know frustrating to get that those few shots on it because it's very very maneuverable. So that's yeah, yeah. Uh, so. That doesn't really work if they don't do that much damage. You know, if they can't provide a threat even against your pythons, your anacondas, your further lance, well, then there would be no reason to focus on them. There would be no choice, and all of the aggressors will just laugh at the fighter and, and attack the main ship and kill it anyway. So they are, they are frighteningly powerful with their firepower. I mean, it's just there's no other way around it. That they, they give every ship a. Um, a run for their money in terms of the amount of output they can put out. I think also their weapons, I believe they have quite good levels of um, hardness penetration. So, mm. you know, they, they don't have drop-off against the bigger ships. You know, it doesn't matter what whether, you, whether you're taking on a Sidewinder or a, or an Anaconda, um, you can deal significant damage. And so, yes, yeah, that we have some sticky amount of aim assist as well. Yeah, that, that makes sense, because that was one of my worries about, um, you know, when, when the fighters thing was announced. Um, we were discussing it on the show and we were saying, you know, if we were saying, I was saying um, that if like, uh, you know, for the sake of argument, if a, if a Cobra has no chance against a Ferdelance, I, I didn't really understand at the time how much an even smaller fighter would yeah. actually kind of bring Absolutely, to the fight. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. If, they are, if, they, if they, I suppose if they have no frame shift drive and they are basically just flying guns, yeah, uh, that, that kind of makes a lot of sense. They're, they're direct support uh, weapons, really. We want players to kind of almost treat them a bit like munitions in that they're, you know, if you get out there, you, you kill with them and you're killed with them and it doesn't really matter either way. You know, you, you attack and then you just leave it and hub, and hub space out. It's a, a bit of a patsy for a, for a little while, especially if you've got a fighter pilot because then you can keep fighting right until the last minute then. Um, it, it's, they're, really much a, 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 they're very much a specialised tool for combat. Yeah, it's, I've seen a question in Twitch um, for, from Stephen Usher, which is an interesting point about using the fighter basically as a wire-guided missile. Um, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> work out so well because one of the things that they are is very, very light and fragile. Yeah, so, um, 
yeah, you can ram into them. It's not really going to do an awful lot. You'd be better off using an actual missile uh, or a torpedo. They're going to basically paste themselves into dust on the shields of most ships. Um, no, that's good because players don't really like ramming tactics very much. Yeah, do they? Well, look, ramming is a <laughs> tactic. Uh, I think it's a fairly filthy scoundrel tactic myself, but uh, it, is, it is a valid tactic. Um, it's just that it's not one that the fighters are especially good at doing. They're, you're you're far better off just doing you know one one strafing run with the fighter. You'll do a lot more damage, I imagine, than uh, trying to ram with it. So um, the um, uh, uh, so yeah, this one one of the things I wanted to ask about was. Um, going back to obviously what we've talked about in terms of the ship-launched fighters, it's obviously there to kind of balance the, the, the trader-pirate issues, you know, that a Type 9 can't really necessarily defend itself against an aggressor. Um, but obviously the, the ships that support the fighter bay are actually all quite high-end trading ships. So for commanders who are starting out their journey as a, as a trader in your sort of your adder your hauler and your type six is there going to be something later down the line for for them to get a balance um or, or do you think I there's already sense, a I, I sense possibly maybe incorrectly uh that you're angling towards are there going to be other npcs that you can hire or something like along them along those lines um, that is my usual line that I take. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> at the moment um, on that one. Uh, so for now, no. Uh, the fight, the fighters. I mean, they started like the killback, and you got the federal. I believe one of the federal gunships or dropships. One, one of those has got it. Got got it as well. So it's not all yeah. super high end ships. But yeah, they are. They are on no. the left side in general. I, I totally accept that. Um. So for now, the the little ships. Um. In general, the little ships can get away more easily. So it's not, it's, it is less of a problem. And also the fighters, I mean, they're great for a Type 9 or, you know, uh, with the new Beluga liner, for example. Um, they're, they're not purely defensive. You, they're just, an, they're really, they're another weapon for all ships that can fit them. Um, you know, if you've got an Anaconda, a fighter is a, a really good um, accessory. You know, just because you've already got a really powerful ship, never hurts to get a few more guns out there if you've got a pilot to pilot it. So it's yeah, uh, yeah. just a tool more than anything else. Yeah. So the question with regard to that, because obviously the keelback does get the fighter bay, mm. um, but the Type 6 doesn't. Mm. But my understanding was the keelback and the Type 6 was basically the same hull. So there are clearly, there's a number of issues. There's 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 ones of like game design, ethos and balance, and there's also ones of actually getting stuff done. So to get get the, the a ship to have a fighter bay, it's, it's non-trivial. Um, it does involve a, a decent amount of work, like artwork changes and whatnot, because the, we have to effectively rip new holes in the hull um, and make sure it all it, it all fits out and fits and works. So we yeah. could, so we're limited in terms of time. Um, in the future, it, will more ships of that size get them? It's possible, but there's no way I'm going to guarantee it. That's very much a no at the moment. Who knows in the future? Okay, that's cool. That's fine. So, so in terms Sandy, of the, just quick, oh, sorry, can go I just on, quickly ask a. It's sounding like they're not, say, a standard class five module. They're a like a class five plus or something like that. Uh, no, they, they, they are still standard modules. It's just that they're standard modules with the additional caveat that they can only go in the subset of ships that have also got the architecture to support the fighter deployment rails. Uh, right. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you said that um, one of those ships was in fact the the Beluga liner. Mm. So. What sort of defensive capabilities, apart from a fighter, do you expect the Beluga liner to have? I mean, is this the sort of thing that um, 
you know, if you, pirates do decide to attack a beluga liner, then it's toast apart from the fighter, or can oh, it no. give as good as it gets? It, the beluga liner is a very interesting ship. Uh, it's very big, but mm. it's reasonably manoeuvrable. Like, as I think I've said on the streams, it's about as fast as a hauler, so it's not completely mm. slow. It's up there, definitely comparable with the, the military ships. It's not a military vessel. Its armor's decent, but not brilliant. Um, but it, just, it does have five medium hard points, so it's it's in no way defenseless. Um, it's reasonably manoeuverable. Uh, it's not something that you, you could you could attack with a banner and go, yeah, this is this is toast. And the fact that it can also um, field a fighter bay, just you know, if it's got that equipped as well, then it starts becoming a very interesting ship. It, it's in some ways um, a kind of pretty okay everything. Uh, but the thing it specialises in, obviously, is it's a passenger liner, so it can fit the super luxury cabins. So clearly, that's its specialisation. Um, but it's it's not a bad ship for most things, although clearly it's a prestige ship. It's not going to be cheap. Yeah, absolutely. And I dare say you're not in a position until we uh, go through beta and stuff to announce what sort of price bracket that's going to oh, be in. Is that going to be? The, yeah, the amount of wailing and gnashing of teeth that we're going to get anyway. There's no. <laughs> deal with the cost when we get there and <laughs> the tears and the pain then that, that's all fine I like, the uh, idea that the, um, I like the idea that the fighter on the beluga is a bit like uh, you know Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where you've got the biplane hanging off the right, bottom yeah. of the Zeppelin <laughs> I kind of feel like it's a bit like that absolutely um, <laughs> so the only thing there was one thing that came up in there was a question that was put to you on a feed um, where there was they were asking about hacking fighters yeah. and you said it'd be really interesting and yeah. it just reminded me that back in the ddf topics um there was quite a, a a big thread about the idea of kind of electronic warfare between ships that you might actually have some kind of cyber hacking abilities the idea being that you might build a ship that's a stealth build and actually start disabling someone's systems before you went in to attack them yeah is, yeah, that, yeah is that still on the kind of the list of desired features or is that as the game evolved away from that uh, not at the moment no um I, i've got sorry we've been like um sandy Marco. It, it they're not, it's not that they're bad ideas they're, they're still completely valid ideas they're just they're not they're not high up on our list they still exist in the ddf documents therefore they still exist as potential aspects that we can look at and from time to time we do dip into those now um still even now but right at this moment, I think that's a very good way of putting it. We've kind of evolved past it for the moment. Um, mm. You have all these great ideas at the beginning, and then as the game solidifies, it is a very, as I'm sure all the followers will know, following our, you know, our reasonably transparent <laughs> development process, um, things turn out in ways that you don't quite always expect them to do, and certain things work good, work better than you thought. Other things don't work as well. So at the moment, um, the idea of um, uh, basically electronic warfare, it's not on any lists. Um, although clearly, for the fighters specifically, it's a very solid idea because you've got a neural link into the fighter. So, you know, the idea that someone could hack into it, dis disable it, destroy it, take control of it is a really cool idea. And in fairness, something like that is probably more likely to get some attention from us um, as opposed to some of the older stuff from the do older documentation. Because... You know, we're doing the fighters. Therefore, if we think it's a great idea for the fighters, it, it can get traction. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. But of course, um, cause, not me saying that we're going to do it, because at the moment we're not. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, yeah. You never know. Uh, there's, there's a question coming in from Twitch. Um, obviously, we've said it's too early to say what the prices on the Beluga will be. Uh, people are asking about the comparative size um, compared to, the, say, the Condor. 
Uh, I think the Belugas reasonably, I think it's about as long as the Anaconda actually. Um, it's a bit a bit thinner, I think, a bit slimmer, maybe a bit taller. I'm not sure. It's a very big ship, uh, and with those uh, large um, rear uh, fins, you've got to be reasonably on 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 form to get it through the mouse slot without scraping it. So it's big. <laughs> it's not a small ship. Okay, and uh, just sort of sticking with the the Beluga, I mean, it looks absolutely gorgeous. And obviously now with the virtual reality stuff is now all launched, the Vive is out, the Oculus is out. And, you know, knowing the way that you guys do, you prepare for sort of all eventualities and the modelling that goes into all these ships, you sort of build and try and future-proof. Have you had a chance to sort of put your virtual reality headsets on and have a wander through this um, this particular ship? And is it as gorgeous on the inside as it is on the outside? So I'd love to be able to say yes, and it is that gorgeous, but the truthful answer is no, we have, <laughs> because we haven't had time. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure it is incredibly luxurious, if kitted out correctly. Um, the bridge, however, is is awesome. So the bridge is uh, it's got lovely, uh, very good visibility outside, and it it does again like all of the large ships. The 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 bridge just feels like a proper bridge, especially yeah. and in VR, you get a real sense of the scale, and you realise that seat that you thought was three inches from your face is actually five metres away. So you know you get a real good sense of scale. So yeah, it, it's pretty cool as far as the bridge is concerned. But we haven't really um, we're not really looking any further than that at the moment. Fair enough. Uh, okay, well let's uh, let's move on to a little bit of the questions that we've got around the whole passenger mission things. Um, question is, when it comes to actually taking on these missions, do things like comfort, quality, smoothness of the the journey factor into any of the rewards that you get from these missions? Um, well, interestingly, so not entirely um, into the rewards. Oh, oh, okay, so yes, but in, in an indirect fashion. So uh, our Game coders, specifically uh, um, Dom, he's he's awesome. He's been doing this. He's set it up so lots of different lots of different elements can be queried for um, passenger contracts um, to say is something going well or, or going not so well. So a really obvious one is uh, the time limit. Uh, but we've got other ones, for example, um, being attacked. Um, so and this doesn't really count for bulk passengers. They are we want to keep them nice and simple. They just care about time. As long as they get there alive and in, one, and in time, then it's all golden. But with VIPs, which, <coughs> which in fairness is that's where I think a lot of the, the more fun, uh, the more amusing aspects will come through. Um, some of these divas, they're not going to like getting attacked. You know, they don't. Even if you're completely safe, getting shot is not what they're after. I believe possibly <laughs> some of them don't even want to get scanned. So if your if your ship scanned, they you know that's a black mark. So and and all these things add up to and as for people watching in the streams, add up to this add up to this uh, disgruntled quality. So the, the less the less um, uh, accommodating you are with your journey, the, the more kind of scripts you have, the more likely it is that your VIPs will become disgruntled. Um, and if they're disgruntled, it affects the pay because they're probably just going to leave. Yeah, they can leave at starports. Um, and in extreme situations, they can literally just fire the escape pods and say, well, no, screw you, I'm out of here. And then you've got, to, <laughs> you've got to pay for the refurbishing that you the cabins before you can use them again. So there are, and not all of them will probably be in straight away, but we, we I imagine we're going to have a growing set of criteria for you know, measuring the success or the effectively the, the, the quality of the ride that you can provide. Okay, Ben? How visible will that feedback be to us flying them? You know, will believe- we have a pissed, pissed off meter? Yeah, no, I, I believe um, you're going to get it. I could be wrong here, but the last time I checked, I think you're going to get some inbox messages. 
So you'll be told at various points, you know, stop messing around. It's you know, time to time to take it up a notch and uh, do what you're meant to be doing. Um, and I, so I, I guess the thresholds will be clearly in, um, indicated in most likely uh, an inbox message. So you'll know what's going on. I think you should just go straight out to Twitter. You have a Twitter account called Pissed Off Customer that just tweets, what the hell is Commander Edelweiss doing? We just did a handbrake stop in front of a neutron star. Uh, um, okay, so obviously these are these are um, passenger modules. Um, can these be uh, pirated? In other words, you know, can pirates sort of open up the side of your hull and start uh, scooping up slaves or fertilizers? What is it with you guys and pirating? And, and hurting people honestly it, i do I'm, i worry for some of you um luckily or unluckily for you uh, lunatics you psychopaths uh, no uh, not initially you can't pirate um passengers because piracy works through the cargo hatch and thank god the the passenger cabins are not directly linked to the cargo hatch <laughs> uh, they actually use doors and stairs and things so um you can, uh, the, can the worst I, that can happen is you can force them to eject uh, using their escape can, pods. can, can we just just point out one small flaw in your argument. We didn't actually start the fertilizer thing. You guys did. Yeah, that's true. Okay, it wasn't me. In uh, it was before my, even before even my time. Um, so yeah, and that's not to say that in the future, and I don't want to really go into any more details. Uh, that's not to say that you won't be able to do somewhat nefarious things with your passengers at some points. So how about that for a little sneak, little sneak peek. Mm. But I'm not going to say anything more. Uh, okay. Um, say when, more importantly, but yeah, things might be a fault. Love it, absolutely love it. Um, obviously, we've got uh, rankings for for CQC. We've got rankings for combat, for trading, for everything else. Are we going to have separate rankings for tour guides? In other words, you know, could you be an elite tour guidist? That's not. Oh, no, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I believe it's likely to tie into trading and or exploration. Um, it, it's uh, as far as roles go. It's going to be a pretty cool one, hopefully, a lot of fun. But it's uh, it's definitely on a, a slightly smaller side. Uh, it's like like we don't have a we don't have a ranking for miners, um, but you can mine. Um, passengers passenger transport is is on that same sort of level. Okay, so it will just factor into exploration and trading. That makes think, sense. Yeah, I think I mean definitely there'll be exploration benefits in there because exploration tourist spots and things like that will will tie in directly with some of the passenger contracts anyway. So. But I believe, yeah, I believe it's going to be either some some exploration, some trading, or just exploration. I'm, I'm not sure yet. Okay, I mean, thinking about the the exploration side of it, how, I mean, what sort of um, uh, scope are there in these sort of passenger missions to have like long haul uh, tourist sort of like cruises where you know you do multiple multiple sort of maybe weeks of uh, taking the same passengers around, or is it well, sort of short sharp missions that yeah. you can do in you know a night or a uh, couple yes. of hours? Um, the bulk passengers are going to be mainly short. Um, they're, they're very simple. What they are really, um, as well as a way to make money, they are um, a nice a nice way for us to let the background simulation breathe and flavour them in really cool ways to turn into refugees or soldiers or tourists or criminals or whatnot. So that's pretty cool. As for the VIPs, yeah, I think there's going to be some fairly long ones. Well, okay, to put it in context, for some of the longer um, passenger missions, we're increasing the basic time allowance from seven days to i think around three weeks wow so, wow uh, i think you should expect some reasonably long distance um uh, passenger missions and when you factor in the potential for vips to start adding in their own diva like requests to you know maybe see some combat or check out a tourist spot or pick up some commodity or whatnot it really you know that should make it hopefully 
you know, hopefully it'll be it'll be a bit of fun. No, I'm loving that. Let's just uh, jump to the top of my highlights list, actually. But I'll come to that later. <laughs> Go on, Jarvis. Just, just while we're on the on the subject of um, mission links, just a what question I want to ask you while we've got you here. Um, obviously, in a recent update, in terms of the missions, hmm. the um, the kind of time you've got to do a mission vastly increased. I mean, most of the missions I've done recently have just had a 24 hour limit on it. Is hmm. that a bug, or is that a deliberate decision to give people? longer time to finish missions i think in general we are moving towards just being a little bit more lenient with time that's cool. um that's not to say that there isn't a bug there <laughs> but uh <laughs> in general um it is cool to have limitations i mean a lot of the good gameplay is based on limitations and restrictions but we have to balance this especially when it comes to time people's time is very important the game already is a big investment you know it asks a lot of you and we do understand that so it, it maybe it would be a little bit unfair to ask a lot of you and also then give you very tight uh, limitations as to when you can complete it. So at the end of the day, we want players to have, it is a game, it's a simulation game, but it is a game. So we want players to have fun first and foremost. And part of that is actually having the time to do these things. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a, maybe a slight ethos change. We'll, we'll see. Okay, cool. Wow, that, so, that's saved everyone. No, no, I'm just, uh, <laughs> I was just looking at the next set of questions, and there's a set of questions I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm putting off until we've covered some more. So, um, let's go on to uh, some of the miscellaneous stuff that cropped up from Gamescom, um, which is more, if I'm honest, is the stuff that I think you're probably not going to have, uh, have a, a clear cut answer for, which is fine, and yeah, that's don't feel true. under any pressure to, uh, to give us one. Um, David Braben hinted at um, sort of archaeological sites. Uh, is this another one of David's wonderful sort of, I'm at a exhibition or at a congress, so therefore I'm going to say something nice and wild and wacky and the rest can figure it out when they get back? Yeah. Or is this something that's actually going to be in the game soon that you guys have uh, have uh, of planned for? Okay. Right. So how do I answer this one? <laughs> so it would, be fair to say, it would be fair to say that possibly... Um, the press have seen a little bit more than other people. Okay. Uh, and that's really all I've got to say about that. Right. Okay. <laughs> and is this stuff that they're that they're going to that they've seen from two point two, or is this stuff that's further on in the future? Uh, I believe some, maybe two point two. Brilliant. Okay. But I can neither, I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, <laughs> Although I'm kind of Hang on, are we, are, we not, are we not press? How do we become press? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, but yeah, they got a pretty good show. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah, so, uh, so... It's a fair to say, it's not just talk. It's absolutely not just talk. Awesome. Brilliant. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put you on the spot because uh, I think the stuff that you've been answering has been great. So uh, let's just move on to the next one, which is um, guys. So obviously, there's going to be uh, a change in the um, the simulation of planets and lava and everything like, like that. Um, one of the questions we've got in is: Will guys have enough force to lift lift an SRV into the air if it was dri- driven over when one was going up? Right. So, firstly, clearly. They're not surely they're not geysers, they're geezers. <laughs> so we're gonna have geezers on the planet. So some of these geezers might be a little bit dodgy. Little, um, <laughs> uh, right, so yeah, basically. Yes, they will. I've seen it. Brilliant. Yeah, and uh, it is as it is as cool as it sounds. Excellent. Um <laughs> 
Due to Sandy's woody cowboy fetish, will we see either Ed or Adam dressing up as Buzz Lightyear anytime soon to complete the theme? Right, okay, so first of all, it's 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 not a woody outfit. Okay? It's not a cowboy. I'm ahead of the curve. In a year's time, everyone will be wearing Boss of the Plane Stetson, uh, wild rags and uh, waistcoats. So, um, but whether Zach wants to dress up as Buzz Lightyear, I mean, in fairness... I think you'll find they said Adam <laughs> Ed. Well, look, in fairness, Ed, I believe, may be around the right size for Buzz Lightyear, so I thought it should be pretty good. Um, well, I don't know. In, in fairness, they, they, they dress up however they want. But How uh, about we get one of them to do Buzz Lightyear and one of them to do, like, Bullseye or something? <laughs> I'm sure they'd like nothing more if you uh, pestered them. In fact, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you pestered them on Twitter enough... I'm sure you can make it happen. Yeah, I mean, I you, the power's in you, in you guys. Absolutely, your, your hands. You can we make listen it to the community, so if you, uh, I think if you push it enough, why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Jarvis, you're, you're highlighting one that seems to have tickled your fancy. Do you want to? Uh... No, I was I was just <laughs> writing a comment on it that said, "Don't ask this question." <laughs> I don't know where it came from. No good can come of it. <laughs> uh, oh dear, the questioning. The question that he's highlighting is the fact that uh, pilots are seen as transient, i.e. gypsies, when you start oh, off. That's where not. that comes from, Chris. What, and the question was, are we going to see any big fat commander weddings show on Galnet? Uh, or is there any reason why we see all the wedding barges in the actual game? Well, well hang on. I need to unpick this. This is a little bit maybe unusual. Um, <laughs> they're not... They're not... The, the pilots aren't... <laughs> Did you, did you see now why I said don't ask this question? Asking, I mean, don't, I don't bring it up on air. That just doesn't seem too appropriate. No, the, the I'm pilots, with Chris on this. No good can come of this no, question. Uh, <laughs> the pilots are um, mercenaries for hire. Um, and as for why um, do we see wedding badges? I guess people like getting married in space. What mm. can I say? It's real. It's a really popular thing in the 30s. Wouldn't 300s. you? Wouldn't you? Want in space? Wouldn't you want to risk being pirated and uh, killed by uh, psychotic uh, mercenaries? It's like, that's what I love. All the hard-hitting questions we have on this show. <laughs> you haven't seen the next one. <laughs> oh, um, that's a, uh, which one are you thinking of, Colin? Oh, no, I think I'll leave that one up to you guys. Okay, well, I'm going to ask this one. So, um, Commander Snuffler says, if Zack was a Thargoid, what would his Thargoid name be? Right, well, firstly... Um, what, sorry? Yeah, exactly. I don't. Know, I, I do not know. I do not recognise this word that you're using. I think maybe it's a it's a ride on Planet Coaster. Upstream. If you get if you can get if you can get in touch with the Planet Coaster guys, I think it might be a thyroid ride on that. Like a, a kind of roller coaster. But if you're maybe. talking about ride, probably the Big Dipper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next. You mean it's in the Big Dipper constellation? Thanks for the clue. We'll pass that on. <laughs> Oh dear. Okay. Um, right. I think we've probably had enough of those. Uh, let's have a look at some of the other things that people have been asking about. Strangely enough, we've we've had a few questions on um, on ship transfers. I don't know why this seems to uh, be of such an interest to people. It seems to make perfect sense to me. I don't believe. I've been looking at the chat in the in the chat room, and and I, I don't believe anyone has asked uh, for that question to be asked. Actually, 
Oh really? Oh, maybe I just got it wrong. So maybe you just skip this one and move on to. Is that right, guys? No one's bothered. No, no, we just... no, no, no one's to know about instant okay, cool. We right. can just cover cover that, and maybe another week. You know, just leave it. <laughs> oh my goodness, guys. <laughs> okay, um, right. okay. So should we, give this, should we give this some context, just in case people have been under a rock? Because we haven't actually it. said what the feature is. Okay, so uh, they've announced that uh, coming as part of, I believe, 2.2, you will have the ability <laughs> to summon your ship, to, to summon any one of your ships to your current location by paying a fee, and it will be transferred to you where you are. And this transfer is instantaneous. And apparently it is the instantaneousness of the transfer that is causing people to lose their shit. So Jarvis, does that mean if I were in my Type 9 and I saw a combat zone, I'd be able to take my Vulture to it? I don't know. Why are you asking me? You need to ask Adam that. <laughs> I think, no, I think the... the uh... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off. I'm going to start off with 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 my point, because um, <laughs> I've seen one of Sandy's comments saying that obviously you know you guys appreciate that it is a kind of a, a gamey solution to the problem to say well you transfer your ship and and it comes to you instantly because the alternative is kind of inconvenience. Presumably, I say did presumably you guys thought did you guys think about whether there's a kind of almost like a kind of strategy game element around saying, well, I'm going to summon my ship. And let's say you get like a counter that says your ship will be delivered in 60 minutes or something like that. Um, for you then as a player to say, right, I've summoned that ship that I need for this thing. That's going to be here in 60 minutes. I now need to go and do something else that kind of takes me on a trip to get back here for 60 minutes and pick up my other ship. Sure. Is that... Is that something you considered as kind of being fun gameplay? Or? Yeah, yeah, no, well, sure, we considered it. And I'll, I'll go on further. Um, we, when we spec'd up the uh, rules for ship transfer, we had both options. So we spec'd out, we had, we had um, designed documentation both for both instantaneous transfer and for timed um, delay transfer. So I'd like to start preface everything by saying there's a wrong answer here you know all the guys going oh i want i much prefer to have delay that's completely reasonable and it's completely understandable um and there are potential there is potential gameplay there absolutely without a shadow of a doubt so really it comes down to one very simple kind of concept the the ability to manage your fleet and that is specifically the ability to get ships of a certain type um to your location so that you can use them where you are without having to go and pick them up is is really a quality of life improvement okay that that's that's the bottom line so we had we had a we had a choice we could either say it's instant um and you just pay a fee based on the value of the ship and the distance it is and we don't get any gameplay about time but the feature is completely it um, completely working. It's doing exactly what it's meant to do. It's removing uh, a barrier to gameplay. As uh, someone just recently <laughs> pointed out, if you were in a Type 9 and you happened to come across a conflict zone, you could just dock, um, instantly transfer your vulture to your location uh, and get in there and, and have fun. If we'd had delays, if we'd have delays for um, transportation, you've got this slightly difficult thorny problem to overcome uh you, you you can have delays and they're either going to be one of two things they're going to be so short that they are negligible 
uh, in the you know it's a few seconds here or five seconds there or even 20 seconds which doesn't really uh, have any more validity in terms of um, plausibility and realism as instant you know because they, they could be coming incredible distances and which kind of begs the question why are you doing it you know it, it, you're just adding this kind of minor inconvenience and it's it's likely to not satisfy anyone yeah or you have real delays like proper delays you know 60 minutes 20 minutes an hour a day it goes on and in our documentation in the design documentation that we had for uh, delay tr transfer the delays could be very substantial um there were two there were two ways of doing it there was a, an expensive way that was a bit quicker and then there was a, a, a cheap an eco uh, economy way which was very slow that, that could take an awful long time that's cool. You know, you, you get if you do that, you get this real kind of feeling of, wow, these ships are being uh, they're being shipped here or they're being transported here. So I'm not I'm not knocking that at all. I actually really like that, you know, that, that I can see the value in that. But unfortunately, then you're also directly undermining the goal of the feature as you are trying to implement it. So yeah. you get a hard choice, basically. You get a hard choice. And, and looks like I completely appreciate that some people are going to say, well, you've made the wrong choice. And for those people, um, my only answer is, yeah, for you, we probably have. And, and I'm sorry, I wish we could please everyone. Um, but, you know, we can't. We have to think, we just have to make the call on what we believe in the long run for the most people will be best for the game. And so in this particular instance, that's that's what we did. We made the call and said, you know what, um, if we do instant transfer, it's a hell of a lot simpler. It doesn't undermine the feature. Um, we think it services the goal of the feature in a, in a better way than having delays. Because having delays, and this kind of, actually, it's interesting, this harks back to uh, uh, way back in the day when we were talking about distances for supercruise. And I can't remember if it was in yeah. the or not, but there were a lot of people that were saying, yeah, yeah, to supercruise to Pluto, it should be several hours. Honestly, I'm not knocking that, it's fine in concept, yeah. but clearly when we're doing the development of the game, we have to look at it and go, you know, for, for the majority of people, it's probably not fine. <laughs> they're, they're probably they're probably gonna gonna play for five minutes and go. Hang on a minute, I, I've got another three to five minutes before I play to Pluto. That's that's not gonna work for me. So, so like I say, I totally understand. We just had to make the call. I, I stand by it. I think it's I think in the long run it's the right decision, even if it's not to everyone's particular taste. I, I you know I kind of hope that people can can kind of uh, understand that, maybe accept it and, and just try it out because, uh, you know, whether they like it or not, the end result is going to be more friendly for them. Mm. You know, it's going it's to let you do those things which otherwise you simply could not do. And I've always gone on myself about saying I, I prefer it if players had specialised ships, not just one specialised ship. You know, it was never the intention to have one ship that you just kept tweaking and changing every time you got to a starport so it could do different things. That was not the intention. And hopefully in the future, much though there might be a waning and a gnashing of teeth, I'm really hoping that we can introduce more um, penalties for selling modules, uh, you know, and, and selling ships so that you don't just have this kind of, once I've paid for this module, it's effectively free to just keep swapping in and out. Um, so the ability to have multiple specialised ships is serviced really well by having the ability to get them to where you need to be, basically, when you need them. And how is that going to work in terms of you know the cost of that or the time? So it's going to be instantaneous. What yeah. about the, the the cost? I mean, is it going to be variable depending on the distance they're travelling? Yeah. So the cost is going to be variable based on two factors: the distance that the ship has to be transported. So obviously, the further away it is, the more expensive it's the more expensive it's going to be. And also, uh, the base cost is going to be is going to be determined by the value of the ship that you're transporting. 
So it's going to cost more to transport that Warconda with all fully kitted out, you know, uh, you know, t- top grade A modules than it is that you know adder that's got a couple of D's and E's in it. But it's quite <laughs> fun. so there will be uh, undoubtedly an upper limit, I believe. Um, but it it will still it will still be a non-trivial cost at, at those levels. Okay, so in other words, I mean, all these people that have managed to get out to Jacks. And now that they're there and they've gone out there and they're exploring ship, it's not going to be cost prohibitive for them to then bring the rest of their fleet over. Absolutely not. I mean, it, it, that, that's kind of the whole point. Uh, I think Jax is a really good kind of pathological case. It's like it's pretty much the furthest kind of human to human space interaction locations that we've got. Um, if you couldn't use it there, then, you know, well, clearly it's not really doing its job. It's not going to be cheap, uh, but it will be doable. Do you think there's sort of an inherent problem then with with a game that's kind of because we're getting this kind of backlash at the moment around games that are released into early access and then people get kind of disillusioned because the game changes so much sometimes I'm not talking about elite necessarily saying changes so much from early access to release I know of a couple of friends who've said they've they've stopped backing kickstarters for games because they don't like the fact that they might enjoy a game in alpha, but by the time the full release comes round, something's changed that stops them enjoying it. So do you think there's an inherent danger in kind of changing features like this in a game that, you know, people have got so used to playing a game a certain way, and then you kind of move the goalposts a little bit? And as you say, for some people, there's always going to be a group of people that aren't going to be happy with the new features, and then there's going to be other other people who are happy with the new features, um is that something that modern games design has to kind of live with um is there a danger inherent in changing things once the game's gone live hell yeah mm. <laughs> uh it's <laughs> one of the biggest dangers that we struggle with constantly um, i'm not gonna lie it's not easy um and i'm not gonna lie and say we get it right all the time we don't we make mistakes and then we have to change the game again to make you know, make up those mistakes and that in of itself can cause people to get upset it's a it's a challenge and a risk that we have to take if we want to evolve the game and keep it keep it relevant. Um, the, 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 in our in our defence, we have we have vision for, for where the game needs to be. Um, uh, we're always heading towards it, but as for the details, sometimes you know you just do something and then later on you think you know we've really got to change this. Something has become effectively out of date, or there's something new that, that needs to fit in in a certain way, and we have to change things. We are always incredibly, I mean, it might, I don't know whether people kind of get that, but we are incredibly mindful whenever we make changes to the game now because it's live. So I think people might see that manifest most prominently when we're making changes, for example, to some core balancing to like heat sinks or, or weapons, and people often complain that we don't do big enough changes. And it's because we are very, very conscious that any change we make affects everyone, you know, no matter yeah. whether we intended it to or not. And I really don't want to mess up people. They're paid for this game, and I don't want to mess up their gaming experience. I want to make the game better, but I'm hopefully, I'd like to think I'm humble enough to know that I don't always have the right answers, and you know, my team doesn't always have the right answers. So we have to tread very, very softly. Um, but on the flip side... Uh, we are adding features to the game all the time. That's w- what it is to be a live game nowadays, and certainly it is for Elite. For Elite. That does sometimes necessitate changes to, uh, to to things that are already uh, you know in progress and, and and used. So yeah, absolutely, it's a danger. Yes, it's a challenge. Yes, it makes me lose sleep. If I had hair, it would make me lose it again. But <laughs> um, it's also what makes it exciting. 
and it keeps the game fresh. So yeah, I wouldn't want it any other way, basically. Okay, Ben, do you want to just quickly chip in with what you had in mind? I'm just wondering, actually, about the ship transfer stuff. Will there be some kind of sanity check on the transfer to see if the ship that's coming out to Jack's for sake of argument could ever possibly make it? Um, no, I don't think there will be because, and, and this is to be confirmed, so it's not it's not clearly, uh, we've, we've not come to a solid conclusion on it, but it's likely that the context will actually be that the ship is either um, rebuilt at the starport you're at, you know, effectively reconstructed to match it. Like the fighters. And like the fighters, or that there's some kind of slightly abstract concept that it was transported itself. So it, it didn't need to have the capabilities to get there itself. If we didn't have that, then basically you would never get ships transferred very, very far because there's only a few of the ships that have the large um, frameshift drives that could make some of the jumps that will be required. Yeah, if you're well, one yeah. human space to another, it's once you've once you've accepted that it's instant, it's mm-hmm. it's not really worth worrying too much about um, the details of how the ship got there because if it had if you had if you start worrying about does it have enough fuel to make the jumps. You get into all sorts of uh, conundrums going down that route, so we 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 don't really need that. Basically, that doesn't that doesn't help us. It doesn't it doesn't progress where we want to go with the game. Okay, so on that point though, if a combat ship no longer needs to have a large frame shift drive taking up one of its um, yeah one of its utility points, you can maybe get away with just having a small frame shift drive because you can instantly transfer over. Does that not? Then run the risk of unbalancing the um, the loadouts that you currently have on the on the um, on the combat ships. It's a good point. I don't I don't think so uh, because it's still not a straightforward. It's not like you can instantly change ships. You have to you have to you still. So here's the point. The point is about the player's journey. You still have to make the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you're making it in you have to have a ship that can make it in the first place means you had to have that explorer style ship or that bigger ship. Um, once you're there, to call the fighter over, uh, we think is a it's less of a crime than uh, it's not that much of a problem. Yeah, the, the ship got the ships transported to you. It doesn't really matter as much. You still had the journey, and it's all about the player's journey. Um, if you fly around in your combat ship, you're still going to be limited. When you're in it, you're still in, completely limited, and you'll have to keep changing ships and then doing the journey. So you don't avoid the journey. You just avoid the journey in that particular ship. I think that's a reason for, for the gain that we get. I think that's a reasonable compromise. Yeah, the, the point I'm making though is I know how well you, know, you guys have balanced all these combat ships and the loadouts and everything. And looking on the internet, the, you know, the, the level of detail people go into sort of maximizing all of their various modules and the weight and the, the mass and everything else. If you no longer need to have a larger frameshift drive on some of your combat ships, is that not going to throw your combat ship balance out? No. In fairness, I don't really think so. Uh, the frameshift drives one module. Yeah, it, 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 you know, it does. You can have different sizes. Uh, they're all pretty poor, in fairness. <laughs> uh, and, and I suspect that it, what it will just mean is combat ships get a little bit better. That's okay. not a problem. You know, no. it's not. It's not like combat ships are um, already, you know, jumping too far or doing too much. They're already very, very specialised compared to say the multi-role ships that really don't have this problem at all because they can fit lots of things. Mm-hmm. So if this means that combat ships players uh, commanders in general fit a slightly smaller frame shift drive a slightly slightly weaker one all power to them i don't think that's going to be a problem brilliant let's have some love for the combat ships you know (laughs) they have feelings too (laughs) yeah i was trying to work out why that's necessarily a bad thing i mean obviously it's change and people don't like change um 
But, yeah, if we're talking about having ships with specific roles, the idea of actually a fighting ship just being a fighting ship and having a terrible engine seems to make sense. I mean, I do kind of get um, people's frustration over the idea of the, the kind of, oh, God, what's that phrase that people use? The um, immersion-breaking <laughs> idea of just shipping everything everywhere. But I think it's, it's like you say, it's got to be... It's got to be fun, hasn't it? And I think if it's, yeah. I think if it's a fun feature, and it's because I've done, I've you know, because I have a few ships that I keep on the go, and um, it's really annoying when you forget which ship you're in. And I took <laughs> on a mission, I took on a mission which required me to have a frame shift interdictor, and I went out on the mission trying to track this person down, and I found them, and then I was like. Where's my interdictor? I'm like, oh, I'm in, the, I'm in the wrong ship. I'm in completely the wrong ship for this mission. And it was really annoying that, because there is that thing of, it's, the, the problem with the way it works when you have to go and get your own ship is that you have to literally, you have to go and get it, and then you have to leave the ship behind yeah. that you went there in and take them back. So you've almost, you've always got a ship in the wrong place. Or yeah. if you're like me, you've got loads of ships in the wrong place. Yeah. And it actually... It then becomes this thing of you then don't buy ships from certain places because you think, oh, I don't want to end up having to leave a ship stuck out here kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. I think it's, 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 it's important not to lose sight of the goal of what this feature is. So regardless of, of your opinions on whether it should be, a, be delayed or be instantaneous, I, I, you know, I can't reiterate enough how excited I am about the feature and what it does. It lets you use the ship you want at the time you want it, which is something we, which players just haven't had before. Yeah, that's a. It might be a small thing, but it's a big thing uh, in terms of the the fun that it's gonna it's gonna enable. You know, uh, otherwise having to fly back, you know, having to fly back hundreds of light years to pick up a ship and then fly all the way back to where you came from to use it. Just uh, you know, how is that good? Yeah, it's realistic. I don't care. <laughs> work is re- it's very very realistic, but it sucks. And uh, and if there was any way that I could instantly teleport to work, I would be doing it. Unless, of course, it meant killing me in one place and recreating me in another. But I don't believe in that. That's horrible. But if there was a proper way of teleporting, like I did, <laughs> wasn't instantly dis- disassembled and reassembled, then I'd do it. So it's that kind of thing. You, we've got to keep in sight, not lose track of what, what the goal is that the feature is trying to achieve. Yeah, no, and I'd agree with that. I mean, when we got a faction in Lave, I had to move my entire fleet from Shinrata Desra to Lave, and it basically took me an entire evening just ferrying backwards and forwards and ferrying backwards and forwards. And that was not fun. No, that was, exactly. you know, that not was not fun. what I play really dangerous for. BC Falls, that assumes that you buy all of your ships from Shinrata Desra. If you do what I've done and you just buy your ships wherever you come across them. It's actually not possible. It's not possible to ferry your fleet because you can never have them you always have to leave one behind somewhere. So if you've got ships in multiple locations, you're stuck with having ships in multiple locations. You can't ever move them. It's like that thing with the boat and the chicken and the fox and the bag of grain. What now? You know, that is actually horrible though. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, <it's> a- <laughs> anyway, yeah. though, the main thing is that come 2.2, uh, the guardians, you won't have that problem anymore, regardless of the method that it, it, it occurs. So that's the thing that I'm actually really excited about. So when it comes to my entire fleet of um, sort of taxis, uh, sort of the cheapest with the the cheapest ship that I could buy at that particular station with the biggest frame shift drive that I've just left scattered all over the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, am I going to have to go back to those stations and, and sell them or can I instantly sort of move them into my station and sell well, them on? Well, guess what? I'm not going to say it's totally guaranteed, but I suspect, I think, 
Um, yeah, actually, we have to sell them remotely. And what about that? Oh, my bank balance has just tripled. Instantly liquidate uh, your assets into capital. So I, it, I saw that. It comes as part of was... transfer, hopefully. Yeah, I saw that. I was thinking about that guy that was in the newsletter. I think it was a guy who um, went round. He basically bought a Sidewinder at the furthest station in the bubble. So he <laughs> mapped out the size of the bubble with Sidewinders. Presumably he can now get all that money back. Yeah, he can, although it's not really been an awful lot of their Sidewinders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is true, this is true. Um, did you, just a, another quick question then on the, on the instant transfer thing. So on the basis that you're adding a new feature, I'm just thinking about this because there is a certain amount of, I would say, passion in both the, um, Twitch stream chat and in the, the IRC. There's obviously a lot of people are very passionate about the impact of instant transport. I think just to do, just to be fair to them, I will read some of the less rude comments. Um, one person says, surely it invalidates the value of any individual system or something like that um somebody else said something interesting but i've lost it um <laughs> unfortunately the feature undermines several core elements of the game sense of consequence for choices point of a one-to-one -one system trade-off between combat cargo fit and jump range consistency of the in-game technology and science drastic shift in game genre from sci-fi sim to space fantasy arcade so knowing I, they could have done it not so no what i was, was going to ask is so having read some of those i mean on the, so you're introducing a new feature that people didn't have before when you were putting together the the options of either instant transport or delayed transport did you did you consider that the delayed transport might be less controversial or yeah, did you think sure. that actually there'd be an equal number of people complaining about the delayed transport? No, I think I think we knew from from the off that it, it probably delayed transport would be uh, a little bit less controversial. But to just actually go back to the point you're making, whoever um, the person who made the comments about how it would undermine all those other elements, I just have to fundamentally disagree with him. Or her, sorry. <laughs> you know, and everyone's got their opinion. I'm not saying that, you know, that that's a completely valid opinion, but I think there is plenty of consequence um, in Elite Dangerous. Some might say there's already a little bit too much consequence um, with the way the game works. There's plenty of uh, plausible stuff in there, but you've got to remember it's also a game. You know, we want we want everyone to play it and enjoy it. I I I, I still stand by the fact that I think that um, the instant transfer doesn't really doesn't really hurt an awful lot uh, in terms of the other systems, whether it's the value of an individual system or not. Um, it just, all it does is it gives the player greater tools and greater opportunities to explore it in the way that they want. So fundamentally, I see that as a, as, as a good thing on balance. Of course, people don't have to agree. That's completely fine. You know, the world would be a pretty boring place if we all had the same opinion. But, um, uh, you know, it's and I understand it's a, it's a it's not a small feature. It's a big thing that we're doing, and it's you know it's it, we we're doing it advisedly. Um, but I still you know we still we still stand by it at the moment. Yeah. So has be... anybody come up with any sort of? I think it was described in the in the in the chat as hand wavium reason. So some sort of pseudoscience, some timey wimey thing as to how. Uh, this can be explained away in the game. I mean, what, are we talking about 3D printers in in, in sure. Starports or? It, it, yeah, it could easily be 3D printers. I mean, that that's actually doing the rounds at the moment in the office, and it's it's quite 
it's you know it's it possibly one of the lead horses in that race um we in the 3300 3d printing has come a long way you can print a fighter an entire fighter from your <laughs> ship in a very short space of time with the resources available to at a starport the idea of uh, just printing a whole ship with its modules isn't isn't that stunning uh, you know it's not it's not outside the realms of plausibility um i'm not going to say <laughs> It's it's totally real because you know there are lots of things in the game that we uh, we hypothesise on, but um, yeah, that's 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 possible. Um, it could also be like I say, it could also be that's just abstract abstracted a little a little way further in that they got there, you know, and, and we d- we just don't worry about the timing of it all. You know, they're transported there by giant ships. Yeah, it's instant, but it's it could still be that that's the way that they they were got they. Uh, they were they arrived at the at the starport. It, it's you know that's it, it's we we will come up with something and I'm sure it'll be fine. But I want to reiterate that we it was a conscious it's a conscious decision that we're making because we think it's best for the game. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's valid. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing anything else in the chat that I can or want to read out. So. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, I think uh, from our side of things, I think the we're going to leave it there for the the ship transfer um, situation. I think it's pretty pretty clear. And you know, I when I first saw it, I was a little bit about uh, you know now you're breaking my immersion. But I have you know from listening to Sandy and from thinking about it over the last few days and stuff. Yeah, it wasn't fun bouncing my fleet from one place to another. I'd much rather be actually doing the stuff that I you know, log into Elite Dangerous to do. So from my side of things, I think this is going to be a really good feature, and I'm glad it's going into the game. So as always with these things with the community, it will rumble on, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear more about it when we get into the the, the beta phase of it, of how it actually works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, who knows what the beta might throw up? I mean, remember, nothing's set totally in stone. <laughs> mm. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. Stick to your guns. Oh, we, we stick to your guns. But if, you know, if something turns up, then we'll have to address it. So, uh, yeah, that's just the way things work. Okay, well. I think, worth, I think it's worth remembering as well. We have sort of touched on this, but I think this is the huge thing that will balance it, is the ship transfers aren't free. And no. it's potentially, you know, if you want to if you want to transport your entire fleet out to Jack. It's going to cost a bit. You're going to, have, you're going to have to have played the game to get that money in order to do it. I mean, it's not free. Yeah, not by any stretch of the imagination, absolutely. So, yeah. Go for it, Foz. Okay, anybody else got any other questions that they want to uh, to throw at Sandy seeing as he's here, or can we uh, give the guy a, a bit of a break? Well, now's the time, if you got them. You, you won't find me as candid as often as this, so... Uh... <laughs> It's all about the fixed color, isn't it? Just, just explain all the codes. That's a great. Just explain all the hidden codes in the videos. Go on, go on, Sandy. Just just tell us all. What? I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry, I didn't quite hear that. Sorry, Chris. Hidden, hidden. What? (laughs) Yeah. Don't know. They stopped making sense, actually. I think they have. Yeah, I think you've just... Maybe I've broken them. So so, so it's that thing of, I'd really like to help, but I'm afraid I'm sorry I don't speak English. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, a couple of uh, of last questions then, since you you are here. One of them was, uh, where can we get the lovely cushions that David Braben was sitting on during all the uh, interviews? Um, I've seen one in reception. Uh, I'm assuming that you're you're talking about the cushions with elite uh, stuff on them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're awesome. 
Uh, I, I guess you can't. I, I'm not, I, I let, possibly if you broke in and stole them, but I wouldn't really recommend it. That would be illegal to <laughs> prosecute you. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even know where they came from. They just were here when that was awesome. <laughs> Uh, and a question that I've got from Lavecon and I forgot to ask. Obviously, we've got the, the damage um, modeling on the Anaconda. Is there any sort of workflow for that to be incorporated in any of the other ships? Uh, I'm nothing, not that I'm aware of. We've got nothing to announce on that at the moment, no. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> and I've got to ask this one because uh, I, I completely missed it. Uh, as there is... Uh, a cheeky Braben at the end of the digital art, the, the digital art book. Uh, <laughs> does David Braben still hate his bobblehead? Um, <laughs> well, I can't possibly talk for, for David, but um, I do get the impression that he's genuinely embarrassed by the bobblehead. <laughs> that, that's the feeling that I get when I talk to him about it when, we, when it comes up in conversation. I mean, I could be misreading him. It is possible, but it <laughs> uh, he does look genuinely rather, yeah. Rather embarrassed <laughs> by, by the whole affair, which is why it's so great. Yeah, it, it is priceless. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is lovely watching him squirm under it all. Um, one question that you probably haven't got an answer for yet, but it was something that came up in the, uh, uh, in the development way back when. Uh, obviously, you've announced that you've got the Xbox One uh, at the time, way back when David said it would be silly to discount any other platforms. Uh, is there still workflows towards, uh, say, PS4 or any other consoles other than xbox well, <laughs> I, I, I guess i could just reiterate david's uh, comment that it would be silly to discount uh, other platforms we've not obviously nothing to announce at the moment uh, no time frame no commitment no guarantees yeah. yeah basically it's it's me you know it's me therefore there's always gonna be the big caveat of don't take anything i say as being remotely close to the truth <laughs> uh, but clearly there's a lot of ps4 owners that um, would be interested in it so uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one Okay, no worries. Right, well, unless anybody else has got the... Uh, go on, Jarvis. A couple, couple of quick questions. Um, one is um, a very sensible technical question. Will the ship launch fighters have an impact on numbers in instancing? I'm guessing not because they're NPCs, but... Yeah, it shouldn't do. We'll have to, we'll have, like I say, we'll, have to, we'll, we'll be paying very close attention to it because, you know, if there's a lot of players in, in an instance, that you can get a, an awful lot of extra ships in a hurry. So... We'll, we'll be paying attention, but the, the hope is that it shouldn't. Awesome. Um, uh, and someone who's yeah. obviously a fan of our uh, ad, spoof adverts that we do has asked if Frontier can rename the ship sale, remote ship sales, we buy any ship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, possibly. I don't know. I, I couldn't. We've got an advert for you if you do it. <laughs> <laughs> we've got an advert you can use. So we've already done it. <laughs> Um, Luckily, that's not quite my remit, the, the naming of, uh, of things like that. <laughs> awesome. Um, and I'm guessing this isn't uh, going to be possible because of procedural generation and all that sort of thing. Um, but if the NPCs are individual characters who die when you get them killed off, will it be possible to deplete the galaxy of available pilots? Wow. <laughs> you are very optimistic about your ability to kill pilots. <laughs> You do, you do, you do read some of the population counts on some of the. <laughs> and also, this is the mega famous, This is almost the famous commander thing that can't get the uh, the Lave Radio faction a station. Same <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> one that's going to go around and kill. I'm, I'm fairly confident. I mean, don't take me, don't take this. Uh, you take this at face value. I'm fairly confident you will not be able to deplete the galaxy of the galaxy <laughs> of fighter pilots. 
Um, oh, well, what about they, what about names in the database? Click and then you can kill them. It's as simple as that. Just just to be fair them? to Chris, just to be fair to Chris, that was not a question asked from him. That was a question asked from someone in the chat. That's, uh, that's impressive optimism. I was say, when I say kill all the pilots, I don't mean destroy them in combat. I mean just get them killed because of incompetence. I could easily kill a planet's worth of hired pilots. <laughs> Everybody will now look at Foz. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking about the pilots, though, is it pulling from the... Sorry, I was going to say, speaking about the pilots, is it pulling from the same um, NPC database that uh, everybody in the Kickstarter sort of fed into? So is it possible that I might be able to hire my own alter ego uh, as an NPC um, vice pilot? That's a really good question. I'm not sure. I know it could. Uh, whether it does at the moment, um, it, you know what? It, I don't know. It, it probably does at the moment. Probably. Um, but there are so many names in that, in that database you, well, you, I'm still finding ones that are shocking me and they're inappropriate. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I don't know whether it will in the end, but it, it's, a, it's quite a nice thought. So I wouldn't be, so, wouldn't be at all surprised. Okay, Colin, do you have any last thoughts that you wanted to put in? No, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I've, I've been uh, <laughs> I've been all questioned out now. <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's go around then and just quickly for sort of summing up this particular episode, what's your standout highlight um that you're looking forward to most coming out from uh, from 2.2 so uh i'll start with mine uh, because it's actually just popped up on this particular episode and that's the the, the concept of doing some some three week long missions in the uh, the passenger tourist side of things and for someone that dips in and dips out i really like the idea of having a mission that you sort of you can sort of go to bed one night pick it up go another couple of jumps uh, go to bed then do another couple of jumps and really sort of you know have this sort of long continuous mission that you can come back to um, I don't do much exploration at the moment um, and I do think that would be the sort of mission that I would take on uh, and really sort of get uh, get my exploration wings underneath me as well and it's something that previously I haven't done at all in Elite Dangerous so it's something that's going to be completely new in 2.2 for me so that's going to be my standout thing that I'm looking forward to Jarvis Sorry, mute fail. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm just looking forward to having a, a, a sort of AI co-pilot that I can order around and send to their death. And um, <laughs> generally, generally, pair around. I'm, no, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's been, you know, because I've been waiting really since the since kind of starting this to to sort of have this this concept of a wingman. So I'm really I'm not on the basis that I don't you know play with other people. <laughs> um, so no, that, that's the thing I'm really looking forward to, um, and um, the thing I'm really looking forward to is that it it means that I'll I'll feel confident about taking on some of the player roles that I've not previously been very happy with. So the first thing I'll probably do is get myself a keel back and start actually working towards my trader rank, which I've not really done. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, Colin, uh, flying a fighter straight out of a. Straight out of a trader, my T9. Uh, um, I'm wanting to just go down and launch in that Battlestar Galactica style. Yeah. Uh, that 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 was what really got my uh, got me excited about this one. I think. Yeah, I suppose kudos to that, Sandy. Who was uh, who was responsible for the design on the the Battlestar Galactica sort of themed uh, exit from the ship? You guys, I, I, I'm not sure, but they're awesome. Oh, I'm, I've just got nothing but love and, and praise for all of the Frontiers team. So. 
this is no no exception. The the yeah, the the art team are just the art team, the render team, the animation team, code support. Yeah, they're knocking it out of the park. Yeah, that is a, it is fantastic. Yeah. If you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. Um, okay, Ben. I'm definitely looking forward to being able to let my NPC pilot fly my anaconda where I actually fly something fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. How rude. Yeah, well, you're the one who chose to get the anaconda. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, but it's like flying a slug. Yeah, you chose not... it. <laughs> it's a very heavily armoured slug. Very, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so more like a snail then. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> maybe even just a bit tougher than that as well. Just maybe. <laughs> okay, I... um, Zach? Uh, you know, actually, the the one thing that hasn't really been said, some of the little ones, actually, I quite like the uh, inner docking variants. They are. Ah, that's really a good like, point. missed something really beautiful yeah. inner docking variants. And, and, yeah, I think that that nice bit of extra variety, I think I'm really looking forward to. I think the one with the statue was my favourite. The tourist the tourist services one, yeah. yeah. With the artificial high tech. The artificial fake water that's holographic. When yeah. you get up close, you can see the collaborations. Yeah, Pretty nice. No, oh, in fact, that was that was one of the ones that we didn't have uh, we didn't have questions around. I think that was just because uh, it was it was so cut and dry. It was so nice that the, it all just yeah. made sense. It's seamless. Yeah, I have one. <laughs> Until Jarvis appears, go on then. Well, that's fine. <laughs> so we've seen hot off the press the pictures of the um, the big federal Corvette docked in a kind of dry dock thing. I think if I that's, 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 that's not a Corvette. That's a, a that's, battle cruiser. Ah, sorry, yeah, yeah, no, me, me, me <laughs> yeah. words late. If you have seen that, yes, um, I do apologise, yes. Can you, can you dock with that? At the moment, no. Um, okay. You can fly around it, there'll be uh, ambient traffic, there'll be things to, 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 to do, um, probably materials or cargo drops. It basically treats it like a, it's another, another backdrop, a much more interesting backdrop where normal gameplay can occur. But as I think I might have said in the stream, and this is obviously caveated as per usual um, with no ETA, no guarantee, but the fact is we're building this architecture and the structures in there so that it could potentially uh, service better gameplay, newer gameplay in the future. You know, you can't have um, crazy adventures around shipyard docks if you don't have shipyard uh, docks in the game. So the first yeah. step is getting it, in, getting it in there. So we're really pleased with, we're doing that. In the future, it opens up all the doors. So uh, exciting times, hopefully. Yeah, because there was I... once talk of um, the, the, the big the big battle cruisers being the place where you would pick up the military missions for the various factions. Uh, yeah. Is that still on the list? <laughs> there still is talk about that very thing, yes. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you. I assume ben? that there'll be a, an Imperial counterpart to that? Um, I... Well, being a federal sympathiser, I, I hope not, but <laughs> I, I kind of suspect that there might be. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Okay, Colin, uh, you had a question about the fighters and CQC. Yeah, I mean, the, the new fighter, that I'm really liking the new fighter mm, on that one. I'm awesome. just wondering if that's coming into CQC as well. Um, I, I don't think it is initially. Um, and uh, I, I think it's just a matter of, again, as always, we're trying to do an awful lot, timing and resources. Mm. You know, we can only do so much per release. So I, I don't... I could be wrong on this. I don't think it's coming in straight away, but clearly it would make an obvious choice to put that in there. Right. That's me. That's me completely done now. <laughs> okay. And uh, Sandy, for yourself, what are you most looking forward to in 2.0? Um, uh, 
I could be really horrible and say that all the looks on your faces at all the instant transfer, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to be politically correct, and I'm going to say, uh, and also actually honest, I'm going to say it's the it's a, it's not one thing; it's the combination of quality of life changes. Uh, they're not headline grabbing, as I probably said on the streams and in some of the press interviews, but the ability to get your get ships to your location, to store modules, to get them transported to you, to remotely sell ships to make extra judicial payments so you can clear that transactions tab so you don't have to keep flying back. That, that's like a, a consistent theme as, as part of 2.2 along the big headline tickets of uh, ship launch fighters and passenger gameplay. Is It's a focus on just removing some of the obstacles to getting people to play the game and enjoy it rather than kind of um, struggling with lots and lots of travel yeah, that, that doesn't often doesn't feel like it's getting anywhere. It, the, the game's huge. We've got a, pretty much a one-to-one Milky Way. There's loads of travel you're going to do, regardless of which ship you're in. I don't see why we. I, I really don't see why we should be punishing people, um, for, you know, by making them do double trips and triple trips for, for for one task. It just seems wrong. So I'm really pleased that management has given us the chance to make these changes to improve the game. So that's my personal, yeah, my personal favourite. All of the stuff I'm obviously really proud and excited and terrified by. But if I had to pick one, I, I'm really pleased that we can kind of do a bit of a fan service really and make the core game that little bit that little bit better excellent stuff well ben i think you wanted the final words if you remembered one 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 final question you're going to do a colombo on us and go one final thing yeah one final thing so mike brooks said back talking about the lore within the empire you can't just stick imperial slaves in a cargo pod freeze them and transport them can something be done to rectify this travesty <laughs> Clearly, um, slavery is an is an abhorrent uh, activity. That really, should be banned. But I'm kind of with I'm kind of with uh, Ashlyn on this one. I mean, she's got the right idea. Much though I'm, I'm I dislike the Imperials. At least she's got the right she's got the right idea about not having slavery. Um, I, I, I don't. Yes, possibly. I'm not sure. Is the answer. Um, it may well be that we can have Imperial slaves as passengers. It may well be that that has to wait a bit, but it, it, it's a reasonable, it's a reasonable question. Uh, I just don't have, I don't have the absolute answer for it at the moment. Okay. Great stuff. Boom. <laughs> no, no, I think that's uh, that's a perfect answer. Okay. Well, I think that unless there's anything else you guys want to uh, want to cover off, I think we're actually going to let these two uh, go and enjoy the rest of their evening and maybe just actually get some sleep after what was an incredibly busy uh, Gamescom. Jarvis, <laughs> what do you want to I, add? I need to say, no, I need to say that we're getting thanks coming in from the various chat rooms for Sandy and Zach uh, joining us on the show and answering questions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from, just from from us guys, uh, a massive thank you to both Zach and to to Sandy for coming on and talking so candidly about everything that's coming up. It's uh, it's really refreshing. It's really great to hear. And I think just having that sort of open, candid sort of answers to to some of the questions that the community throws up, I think just I don't know from my side of things, it certainly settles some of the debate that's going on at the moment. I think it's just a a brilliant thing that you guys have uh, done, and we do, really do appreciate it. So a massive thank you for both. Uh, Zach and Sandy for giving up your evening and coming to talk to us at uh, Lave Radio. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank thank you for having us. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's all these all the guys whether they um, agree with decisions or not, it's the it's the passion that keeps us going really. So you know, thanks for thanks for supporting us. That's the main thing. We wouldn't really be here if we didn't get all the people <laughs> buying the game and uh, being so passionate about it. So yeah, thanks. 
No, that's perfect. Okay, well, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can. You can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio or Twitter, or you can join our Discord chat channel by going to tinyurl.com forward slash Lave Radio. Uh, our TeamSpeak server is teamspeak.laveradio.com. And of course, we record the show live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 UK time and stream out at laveradio.com forward slash live. Massive thank you to Colin, to Chris, to Grant for doing the tech, and also to Ben for joining us on the show this evening. Until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Galnet News, 23rd of August, 3302. We read the Galnet News so you don't have to. In this week's news, Canon probes the unknown probes. Potshots at Petraeus. Are we there yet? Canon probes the unknown probes. Canon Interstellar Research has made another major breakthrough this week, following the recent discovery of unknown probes orbiting ammonia worlds near the Pleiades Nebula. The probes appear to be broadcasting data about the ammonia worlds back towards Merope 5C, home of many of the barnacles. Just who might be spying on these ammonia worlds, and what, or who, do they expect to find there? Shots at Petraeus. (music) 
three shady characters were apprehended in the vicinity of Admiral Benton Petraeus, who was giving a speech at Mackenzie Relay in the Semius system this week, carrying guns and apparently intent on assassinating the Admiral. A scuffle with security guards briefly interrupted the Admiral's speech. Later, Petraeus vowed to bring to justice those responsible for the attempt. Shortly after the assassination attempt, Commander Salome is reported to have been attacked in the Semies system by ships bearing Imperial insignia. She allegedly claimed that her ship was being boarded, but she managed to broadcast a brief message. In this message, she claimed that the Formidine Rift and recent events in the Pleiades were somehow related. She also reiterated that the forthcoming Formidine Rift expedition was of the utmost importance. Are we there yet? More from the history books this week, with some information from crusty old academic Sima Kalhana about generation ships. In the old primitive days before witch space and hyperdrives, the only way to travel between stars was very slowly. Around 70,000 huge generation ships were launched towards distant suns in the hope of colonising the galaxy. Each ship contained a complete ecosystem and generations of space travellers were born, lived and died on these immense and immensely slow starships. Because the destination of many of the generation ships is unknown, there's a distinct possibility that their destinations may already have been settled by later, much faster star travellers. Imagine how upset you'd be if you'd travelled for 1200 years to start a new civilization and discovered that the EGC had got to that lovely Earth-like first and laid out towels on all the sunbeds. And that's this week's Galnet News. We read the news and sometimes read between the lines.